Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Evan Witt Podcast. It is Thursday, October 11th, and it is 10.13 a.m. Milwaukee Brewer time, Central Standard Time, for those that are confused with that. <coughs> and I am bringing you today's episode of the Evan Witt Podcast uh, earlier than normal. Normally, I do it late afternoon, evening-type hours on the weekend, but today I'm bringing it to you on a Thursday morning as there's just lots to talk about, and it made sense to do it today as the Milwaukee Brewers are set to open up the NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers tomorrow, 7-10, first pitch at Miller Park. Also have Green Bay Packers stuff to talk about as well, that debacle in Motown. Don't really know what else to call it. Just everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong in that game at different different times in that game, um, defensive miscommunications, Aaron Rodgers playing like a, I don't even know what to say, a rookie, I guess, especially with the couple of his uh, his two fumbles that he had, the uh, Mason Crosby uh, playing like Mason Crosby from 2013, just lots and lots that went wrong in that game, and I'm going to talk about it and talk about the 49ers, and also the point is, is this a must-win for the Green Bay Packers, and I'm going to talk about why I feel that it is going into the bye week. Uh, you know, you got to beat San Francisco. You just have to because you look at what the Vikings have coming up on this schedule, what the Bears have coming up on this schedule, what the Packers have coming up on this schedule, and the schedule makers did the Packers no favors whatsoever to try to put the Packers, uh, who you know, to pull off a couple wins down the stretch one run. They got too many. Tough games coming up, in my opinion, to uh, to to let a uh, you know a game they should win slip away. So I, I hope you're all having a great week so far, and I'm gonna you know get started right now with some Milwaukee Brewer talk. And the Milwaukee Brewers, they have to decide, I think, by 10 or 11 o'clock on Friday of the day game. So tomorrow, uh, day of the game, tomorrow, October 12th, on their their NLCS roster, and including who is going to be their game one starter. And the question is, do the Brewers go back to a bullpen-type uh, game for game one, like they did against the Rockies? Or is it going to be Tashin or Miley, because now that it's a seven-game series and you don't can't really uh, strain the bullpen that much as you did in game one against Colorado? You just really can't. You need the bullpen for this series, the bullpen being the Brewers' strengths all year. You're going to have to hopefully get four, five, six strong innings uh, of your starting pitchers. That was your formula all year, and then go to the bullpen. 
that's probably how you're going to have to do it. So the Brewers are probably going to need a third and fourth starter. So who are going to be those third and fourth starters outside of Tasheen and Miley, who are guaranteed starters? Who's going to be your three or four starter? And they have a lot of options. Gio Gonzalez, who is on the postseason roster for the NLDS, I don't think was used at all in the NLDS. I would say he is a likely starter for you. Um, there's obviously Chase Anderson or Zach Davies you can bring in. Um, you bring one of those guys in, um, and they're going to be starting games three, games four, or game five. You don't bring them in to pitch in Milwaukee. You bring them in to pitch in L.A., which is more of a hitter's park than a home run park. And Davies and Anderson both, uh, well, they, I, more Anderson is susceptible to the home run ball. And you put them in L.A., likely not going to have as many home runs. Probably going to be a lot of warning track fly balls that Yelich, Braun, or Kane should catch. So that's kind of why you go Anderson. And Davey's kind of the same thing. You know, he's a, put, he's a guy that can uh, get you a lot of fly ball outs, I think. And in Dodger Stadium, that is a, a benefit to those two pitchers. Gio Gonzalez, veteran guy, has been there before. Um so I think the Brewers are going to probably go with Tasheen, Miley, and Anderson as your likely uh, – not Anderson, I mean Gio Gonzalez, Tasheen, Miley, Gonzalez as your games one, two, and three starter. Game four, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. <clears throat> now, if they do bring Davies or Anderson to the postseason roster for the NLCS, what do they do? Do they just whop them with a Freddie Peralta or a Junior Guerra? Or do you take away a position player? That's going to be the question. And I think they are going to swap probably a uh, a pitcher, bullpen guy, for your Peralta or your, uh, you know, guy uh, Sedano being added for your Peralta or your Guerra. I think they swap one of those guys. But I think they uh, put Anderson or Davies on the roster, uh, taking off a Jonathan Scope or Domingo Santana or a Keon Broxton. I think Grandison stays because of his veteran experience. He's been in this situation before. Um, he also played with the Dodgers last year. He was left off the NLCS roster, um, but he did play for the Dodgers last year. Um, so I'm leaning on Santana, Broxton, or Scope. I'm kind of leaning more on Santana being left off. I think you keep Scope on the roster due to... Uh, uh, a late game uh, defensive switch if you need it. Like against Colorado, they, they kicked Travis Shaw out to first base and they put Scope at second. So if you don't keep Scope, if you don't have Scope on your playoff roster for this series, you don't have a backup second baseman. You also don't have a backup shortstop. So I think Jonathan Scope stays. I think Keon Broxton stays too due to his versatility. He can play all three outfield positions, he can be a pitch runner. You know, you just have a lot of things you can do with him. And Domingo Santana, his defense is a liability. You're not going to put him in as a late-game defensive substitution. I know he gives you some power off the bench, but you're not going to put him in as a late-game substitution. His defense isn't the greatest. And he's also shoehorned in a right field. You're limited on what you can do with him. Uh, Broxton, you can keep Yelich out and right and put Broxton in left or whatever. There's just a lot you can do with Keon Broxton that you can't do with Santana. And he's not the the, the quickest of runners either. Like if you need to do a pinch runner for a um, Eric Kratz or a Manny Pena late in the game, 
one or the other, you would rather have Broxton or Scope going in there than a Granderson or Santana. So that's what I think they're going to do. I think uh, uh, Santana is going to get left off the postseason roster for the NLCS, probably added for the World Series if they get that far, or Eric Thames could get added too. But I, I think this is going to be a very interesting series. The Dodgers have a lot of weapons offensively. They have a very, uh, th- uh, three left-handed starting pitchers that they're going to throw up Milwaukee. Dodgers have a lot of depth. The Brewers' strength is their bullpen. Their offense, very uh, underwhelming in Colorado. They still got the series win, but against Colorado, the offense is very underwhelming. So we're going to see what offense the Brewers show up with in the World Series. And, I mean, in the, NL- in the NLCS to get to the World Series. And I think this is going to go six games. And I think the Brewers are going to win. I think the Brewers, they're just a hot team. And this is not a homer pick. This is not me being a homer. I just think the Brewers are the hot team. They've won 11 in a row. The pitching is going great. The hitting is likely going to pick up. And I just think the Brewers are going to win the series in six. Uh, You always want to bet the hot hand. And the Brewers are hot. And they've shown all year long you don't want to count this team out. Dodgers are your Goliath. The Brewers are your David. I, I know some people are saying that the Dodgers are the quote underdogs because they don't have the same a better record than the Brewers, but I the Brewers are the underdog. I'm sorry. The Brewers are the underdog for the fact that you look at this uh this Dodger lineup and against Atlanta, they're batting Puig eighth, right before the pitcher's spot. And what I think it was in the uh deciding game. That's a deep offensive roster. They got better with Manny Machado. So it's going to be very tough on the Brewers. But I just, like I said, you don't bet against a hot team. And the Brewers are hot. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Brewers win this game. Uh, win this series um, in six. So that's my prediction. Brewers in six. Uh, I think the lineups for the most part stay the same. I think Domingo Santana leaves the playoff roster. I think uh, Anderson or Davies is added to be an extra starter for out in L.A. And I think Peralta or Junior Guerra get taken off for probably Cedeno. It'd be my guess. So that's my thought on the Brewers. And I'm very excited for this NLCS. I hope Milwaukee is rocking. I hope Miller Park brings it. Um, You know, cheer on these Brewers. Get these first two in Milwaukee. And get one in L.A., you're up 3-2 coming home. Then you get game six at home in Milwaukee for uh, the clinching victory. That's how you can play it. And the Brewers have been winning two out of three all year. That's been their big thing. That's what got them back in the divisional race. Take two out of three, take two out of three, take two out of three. If they continue for that formula, they're going to be fine in a best of seven. So let's go Brewers. Let's get this win. Let's get to the series, and let's see what happens. So, moving on, Green Bay Packers. They lose to the Detroit Lions in a game that, on paper, there is no way they should have lost this game. But as we all know, the Packers tend to lose one or two a year that they have no business losing, just like they tend to win one or two a year that, on paper, they have no business winning. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit when I'm talking about why San Francisco, to me, is a must-win game. For the Packers, um, you you look at the you look at this Lions game. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. You had a uh, 
defensive uh, special team miscue after you stopped the Lions, officiating mistake. But Kevin King, if he's not in that area where he had no business being in, there's no debate on if it touched him or not. Now, my opinion, the ball didn't touch him. From my understanding, the official's opinion is the ball didn't touch him. It touched the, it touched the lion first, which I don't understand why he didn't give the ball to the Packers. The Lions could have challenged and then probably would have had the uh, same outcome as the call on the field standing. But if Kevin King is not even in that area, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about the, if the ball hit him or not. So that was mis- mistake number one. Then you And that gave the Lions pretty much a, a gimme, easy touchdown. Then you had Mason Crosby missing five kicks, four field goals, one extra point. All kicks he typically makes, all of them. He missed them all. That doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen at all, in fact. He usually maybe missed one a game, sometimes even two. But to miss five in an indoor stadium... It's just shocking. And the thing is, the Lions missed a field goal too. So it wasn't just Crosby missing. There's, I don't know, something about Ford Field. Maybe the fans uh, breathing made a crosswind or something. I don't know. But that was issue number two in the game. Issue number three, especially in the first half, Aaron Rodgers is trying to play hero ball. He's hanging out of the ball a lot longer than he needs to. He's not taking the underneath stuff. He's looking for the home run. The Packers are not running the ball like they should. They should have been depending on the running game, which would suck up the the defense. Then you hit them with play action on that deep ball to Adams or Graham or St. Brown or Scantling, whatever. But Rodgers, for whatever reason, was looking deep, looking for that home run rather than taking the check down stuff. And I don't know if that was because he didn't have the trust yet in St. Brown, who was going underneath a lot or Montgomery, or in Scatling, I don't know. But he was looking for that deep ball, and the deep ball wasn't there early on. The Lions are dropping everybody back in the coverage. So that was another issue. Both fumbles were because Aaron Rodgers hung on to the ball too long. One was he was trying to change hands with the ball, but still, rookie mistakes. Then the intentional grounding call, you know, he hung on to the ball too long. Pressure got there as he was hanging out on the ball too long. He tried to escape the pressure through the ball, falls well short of the line, uh, line of scrimmage. So intentional grounding puts Mason Crosby at a 38-yard field goal instead of a 28-yard field goal. Not saying Crosby would have made the 28, but 28 is easier than 38 usually, I guess. So we'll see. So that was the other issue. Rodgers in his own head. Another issue, I put some on Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy going to the game, having to rely heavily on three rookie-wide receivers, especially two of them in St. Brown and Valdez-Scantling. Having to rely on those two a lot. Having to rely on those two in the game, Mike McCarthy should try to make things easier for them by doing routes to kind of scheme them open instead of uh, thinking that they could easily beat their guys consistently one-on-one and get open. The NFL is different than college. College, you you don't have a lot of different route variations and combinations. And if if you do one thing and the quarterback's expecting you to do the other, you don't have a lot of that. The NFL is a lot more complex, especially the Packers offense. 
So to expect St. Brown, to expect Velda Scatling to consistently win their one-on-one battles all the time to get, get, to get open is asking a lot. So they should have ran an offense like they ran in the second half should have been what they were doing from the start. You do bunch formations, you do trips formations, you go keep get guys in motion, move guys around, you do rub routes, do different things to try to get guys open. That was the issue too. McCarthy didn't play to his personnel strengths. Why is the Rams offense so good? They play to the personnel strengths. Why is the Chiefs offense so good? They play to the personnel strengths. Why is the Bears offense, why did they look unstoppable in their game right before the bye week? They go to their personnel's strengths. That's what those coaches do. They scheme guys open. They get one-on-one matchups, scheme guys open. And Jared Goff, Mitchell Chibitsky, Patrick Mahomes, they're throwing to wide open guys because that's what the route designs and the scheme had asked for. Not just get open. Just get open. And that contributes to Rodgers hanging out of the ball a lot too. Second half, they were moving Devontae Adams around. They were moving Adams around a lot in that second half. And you see in the second half, the offense at times looked unstoppable. St. Brown got a couple catches, and there was one right right at the end of the game that he took a simple catch and ran at another, what, 30-some-odd yards that put the Packers in position for Mason Crosby's uh, one made field goal of the day. Those are the things they should be doing early on. I'm not expecting to see Randall Cobb this week again. I'm not expecting to see Geronimo Allison again. With the bye week coming up, the usual Packer practice is hold them out an extra week, even if they may be ready to come back, hold them out the extra week, then you get them back after the bye week fresh. That's what I see McCarthy doing. I also don't understand the why and how they're using Jimmy Graham the way they are. Motion him a little bit. That's what you need to do. Get him in motion. Get him, you know, get him in the slot. Get him you know, when you're lining him up closer to the line of scrimmage, they're checking him at the line of scrimmage, not letting him get clean breaks. <clears throat> if you put him out in the slot, if you put him in, uh, you know, in those bunch formations I'm talking about, you put him in those bunch formations with Adams and Brown or Scantling or Allison when he's back, uh, Mercedes Lewis, whoever, Kendrick, you put him in those bunch formations with those guys, it's going to be a lot harder to bump people at the line of scrimmage. When you put people in motion, you can't bump them at the line of scrimmage. But the Packers' offense does their playmakers no favors, and they do Aaron Rodgers no favors. And like I said... Aaron Rodgers was doing himself no favors in the game either. So that was another issue. And then finally, the defense overall, I think, played fine. Rodgers, two fumbles, put the, put the defense in a tough spot. That punt, uh, hit the, you know, that muff or no muff, whatever, that put the defense in a tough spot. So that's 21 points right there or 17 points, whatever it was, internal, you know, based off turnovers that the Lions got because the offense put the defense in a tough spot or special teams put the defense in a tough spot. But they did have some miscues. Ha-ha Clinton Dix doing his own thing, freelancing, not running the play, not doing what the defense is asking him to do, gave up a touchdown. 
Packers are in quarters right before halftime. And quarters, for those that don't know what quarters... For those of you that don't know what quarters coverage is, it's the each corner or safety has a quarter of the end zone. That's what the Packers are in. Clinton Dix had the quarter of the end zone from what the looks of it, where the touchdown was caught. For whatever reason, Clinton Dix sprints to the sideline. If Clinton Dix stays in his quarter's coverage, there's likely not a touchdown, or at least Stafford doesn't go to that spot. He went right exactly to where Clinton Dix vacated. Can't be doing that. Got to do your job. Do what's asked to you. Do what the scheme is telling you to do, and the scheme is telling you to play quarter's coverage. That's what you got to do. Getting pressure on Stafford was an issue again from the edge position. Um, uh, You had Fracco, Matthews, Perry, who left late with an ankle injury, and Reggie Gilbert. No sacks, no pressures. That was another problem on defense. And then penalties. Had a taunting penalty that the undrafted rookie free agent had no business doing. You don't stand over a guy like that. Now, maybe if you're Darrell Rivas or you're Tremont Williams or you're Josh Norman, you do that. Eh, maybe the maybe the officials decide to keep the flag in their pocket. Maybe not. But if you're an undrafted rookie free agent and they know you are and you do something stupid like that, they're dropping the flag on you, man. Don't do that. You gave them 15 free yards after you stopped them. Two face mask penalties, all because of basically trying to be grabby rather than trying to wrap up. Two 15-yard face mask penalties you know, contributed with the Lions too. So you put all of those things together that I mentioned, you got the perfect storm. You get the perfect storm of a loss to a game that you should win. And San Francisco is a game the Packers should win. On paper, they don't have their starting quarterback. They don't have uh, their starting running back. They don't have their other running back. The 49ers are, uh, give up a lot of pressure, a lot of hurries. The defense is banged. Everything's banged up in San Francisco. So the Packers should win this easy. Unfortunately, I think they're going to make it harder. Than, I think the Packers get to win, but I think they're going to make it harder than they need to. That's just my, uh, my honest opinion of the game. They make it much harder than they need to. But I think the Packers get the win. And the key to get the win is what I talked about, which I know they're not going to do um, because they like making things harder than it needs to be. And that is scheme guys open, run crossing route, bunch formations. And also, please get Aaron Jones involved, especially in the passing game. You got a weapon. Use your weapon. You got a guy that's a mismatch on linebackers. You got a guy who's a mismatch pretty much anywhere, and you refuse to use him properly. Seriously, use Aaron Jones. Get him involved. Put him and Jamal Williams on the field together. You know, do th- you know? Look at what the Patriots do with with uh, with J- uh, James White. Do some of the same thing with Aaron Jones. They have James White on the field at the same time with their starters, the Garrett Blunt la- a couple years back, or Michael. Now they have him on the field with them. And they fight, fight, they get him the ball. That's what they do. They get the ball in James White's hands and let him make plays. Aaron Jones is a dynamic playmaker. I see a lot of big play potential in Aaron Jones, but you don't give him a chance to get the big play. You pull him before he gets going. You pull him when he gets going. 
He was averaging six yards a carry. He had four huge runs that put you inside the 20-yard line. And then you throw the ball three times, one of which got you an intentional grounding, and you're kicking a 38-yard field goal. Those four field goal attempts that Crosby missed, three of them, you could have easily ended those drives in touchdowns, especially one for sure. Score touchdowns, you don't have to worry about missed field goals. It's that simple. You don't have to worry about the what-ifs and could, what could have been, especially in games you should have won. So the Packers, to beat the 49ers, they got to finish drives. Get Aaron Jones going. And Rodgers, for the love of God, find the checkdown guy. Get it to the checkdown guy and let them make plays. Let St. Brown make plays. Let Valdez Scantling make plays. Let Lewis or Graham make plays. Get the ball in their hands and let them make plays. We don't need the home run all the time. Those underneath stuff, there's that the running the ball. That's going to open up the over the top stuff. That's what the Packers need to do. And San Francisco to me is a must win game. Going into the bye week, coming uh the Packers need to win because coming out of the bye week, they travel to LA which is on paper, on paper, so don't jump down my throat calling me a bandwagon fan, on paper is going to be a loss. The Rams are just that much more talented. Going to New England the following week. So you go fly to L.A., fly back to Green Bay, then fly out to New England. You go L.A., New England, back-to-back weeks. That's going to be a tough game. Then you're at home against Miami. Miami's playing better football than they have been. Then you go to Seattle. To Minnesota, two very tough places to play. Then you have two games that should be wins in Arizona and Atlanta, two teams that aren't playing very well right now. Then you're at Chicago. The Bears are playing very good football at the moment. Then you're at New York Jets, a game that you should win. And then you're at home against Detroit, a game you should win. So you got one, two, three, four games on your schedule that should be wins. Miami is a likely win. So one, two, three. Three, four, so five wins likely on the game on the schedule. Five, I, I count five, so that's seven wins with the two you already have. So you're gonna have to beat. You're gonna have to uh, steal one in Seattle, which I know Seattle's not that great this year, but Seattle at home is tough. You're gonna ha- might have to steal a win at Minnesota. That's win number six. Win number seven. Now you got. Now you're up to nine wins. You beat Chicago. You're at ten wins. But there's Rams New England game. Maybe you can steal one. You sh- you know you're not supposed to win. Maybe not. But this San Francisco game, they got to get the win. That's going to get them three wins right there. Then you got three, four, five, six, seven, seven wins. And then you just got to get it. Get probably two wins between Seattle, Minnesota, Chicago. Win two of those three, and you you know maybe the division can be yours. You know, you already have a tiebreaker against the Bears. You have uh, you beat the Vikings. You got the tiebreaker against the Vikings. But if they lose to San Francisco, to me, playoff hopes are gone. Playoff hopes are officially gone if they lose to San Francisco. You look at the Vikings schedule moving. I mean, the Bears schedule first moving forward, coming out of the bye. They have at Miami. Then they got the Patriots. Then they got the, the Jets. The Bills, the Lions. Win, win, win. They should beat Miami. That's a win. 
lost to the Patriots, but you never know, it's at home. But then Jets, Bills, Lions should all be wins. Then they're at home against Minnesota, that's a toss-up. Then they're at Detroit, at the Giants, those two are likely wins. Then they have home against the Rams. Now on paper, yes, the Rams should win that easily, but it's at home, so we don't know what's going to happen. Then you have Green Bay at home. Then you got San Francisco, at San Francisco, at Minnesota to close things out. The Bears have a very easy schedule coming forward. The Vikings, they got Arizona, a win. They got the Jets, a win. They got New Orleans at home, toss-up. They got the Lions, a win. They're at Chicago, toss-up. Green Bay at home, I mean, a possible win. At New England, probably a loss. At Seattle, could be a loss. Miami at home. At Detroit, and then they close out the season at Chicago. The Vikings have an easier record than Green Bay going down the stretch, too. So to me, as I said, this is a must, must, must win game for Green Bay. If they lose to San Francisco, start looking at your, you know, you're likely to start looking at your draft boards moving forward. So again, I'm not being a fair weather fan. These are just my thoughts, my feelings. But with that said, um, I do got to finish up this podcast and I got to get into work. Thank you all for those that are listening. Thank you all to those that have listened. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan with Sports. You can follow me uh, and co- interact with me. I follow back. Uh, I, I love interacting with people. With that, I hope you all enjoy your week. Go Brewers. Go Packers. And I'm, uh, hopefully next podcast I bring you, I'm talking about Brewer and Packer victories. So with that said, I will get you all later. Have a good one.